0: Once again, it's a joy uh, to worship with you this morning and uh, to open God's word and to, to exalt you all. This is my second time here at Rubak. I remember while we were driving here that last year at the same time we were here. For We are here for Sunday School and um, on behalf of CTC and uh, I gave an update on what it looks like in India Missions and in India. And again, it's a joy again to come back again uh, to open God's Word with you uh, this morning. If you have a copy of God's word, if you would turn with me to the book of Hebrews or the letter of Hebrews, chapter twelve. We're gonna focus on chapter twelve, verse one to three. But for a better context. I would read, I would start reading from chapter 11, verse 39, continuing to chapter 12, verse 3. Book of Hebrews, chapter 12, was 1 to 3, but for context, we'll pick up 39, chapter 11. This is God's holy, infallible, inherent, and life-giving word. Would you pay a high reverence as I read it to you? And this, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great clouds of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which inclines so closely. And let us run with an endurance that race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the perfect founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sin as such a hostility against himself, so that you may not Grow weary and faint-hearted. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's look to God in prayer and seek his blessings upon this text as we're going to unpack this text. Long ago at many times in many ways you have spoken to our fathers through prophets, but in these days you have spoken to us by your Son. Lord our God, as we come to hear from your word, We pray that you would bless this reading that we have just done. That you would bless us through the preaching of it to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would graciously convict us, that you would encourage us, that you would cause us to see ourselves in all your grace and mercy. Through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To that end, we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Christian life is not an easy task. It often, it is full of trials and temptations. And it is filled with a discouragement and a broken dreams and heartbreaks, And it is not an easy, joyful ride on a cruise control. Temptations are all everywhere. We as a followers of Jesus, we must always... We release, we fall in our walk. So the question before us, how then shall we live a Christian life? I think that's what the author of this Hebrew encapsulates and gives us a solution here in chapter 12. After giving a profound testimony of the Old Testament heroes of faith in chapter 11. Christian life is a race. Therefore, let us run in the faith. Therefore, let us run in faith. How then shall we run in faith? Answering that, we have these three verses. I have three main headings that I would like to draw your attention to this text. The first one we're going to see is encouragement. Take an encouragement from the witness. Look at verse 1, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great clouds of witness. We are not alone in the race of faith. We are surrounded. That's what the author of Hebrews says. We are surrounded by the great clouds of witness. Look at the word, the connecting word between chapter 11 and chapter 12. The word therefore. Which connects with the previous chapter. Where the writer has listed the Various heroes of faith from the Old Testament. And we see one name after name, one after another, one after another, who lived by faith. Look at, by faith Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice. By faith Enoch walked with the God all of his days. By faith Abraham left his hometown returning and trusting his life into the God who is unknown to the unknown land and unknown future. By faith Moses led the people of Israel into the promised land, enduring the wrath of Pharaoh. By faith, judges ruled. By faith, prophets spoke. It's all, look at verse, if you look at chapter 11, not now, but when you get your time, or I guess you might, being in a Presbyterian, you get to know your Hebrews pretty well. If you look at chapter 11, it all starts with by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. This man and woman, where the people of faith, who looked forward to the promise of God, trusted the God. Often the picture is given that they are the spectators in the stadium, cherishing on the runners who run the race. That they are in the grandstands of heaven, cherishing us, but that's not what the biblical understanding of this text. It is not that they are the witness. So what are they witnessing of? What are they testifying? then? This man and woman of the Old Testament. Testify their words and deeds. Their faith in God. In other words. The saints who surrounded us in the pages of the Bible. Are testifying that God and his faithfulness. To his promises. Often when we, we Christians. Become so difficult. When our lives are full of struggles. And we find difficult to stay a firm stay standard and it is natural for us to become discouraged. And in times it is easy for our faith to weary. The people who the writer of the Hebrews is writing are facing exactly the same situation or the condition they are in. They were Jews, Christians. Persecution has began. They were tempted tempted to leave behind the Christianity and to go back to their old Jewish faith this christian walk is a difficult and it is a difficult the writer reminds them and writer reminds us you're not alone you're not alone look to the great clouds of witness see their faith in god's goodness and his faithfulness today we are not only have the heroes of faith in the old testament but we also have the prophets Prophets like Peter, James, John, Thomas, Paul. We also have early church fathers like Polycarp, Athanasius, Augustine, Luther, Calvin, so on. Oh, beloved church, God is faithful in all all these lives throughout the history pointing to the singular factor. This is a great encouragement. God is true to his promises, which means that even in our Christian walk, there is never a reason for us to be given into discouragement. Whenever we find our faith wearing, we look back to the the time and see God's faithfulness in our in our lives and the saints throughout the history. I guess hope you have gotten a time to give thanks, even on Thanksgiving on Thursday. But many times we stick just to that. But I guess as Christians. We all every day we need to remind of God's faithfulness in our lives. And how grateful we are to the Lord and his mercies upon us. Look at the second thing that I would draw your attention to this. Continuing of this verse 1. Therefore since we are surrounded by great clouds of witness. Let us also. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. The writer exalts us to lay aside every weight, any weight for that matter. No runner runs carrying weight. Sometimes runner runs with a shoe weight loaded with the weights, but they may strip on an extra weight on the ankles while they're practicing it. But no one brings this, actual to the race. You want to be light as as much as possible. Every runner goes through a rigorous training to ensure that any excess body fat is burned. And these runners in Olympics are just as a mass of muscle and they have nearly a 0% of body fat. They do not did not want to carry any weight. This is why you do not see a wrestler carrying a briefcase lining up in a starting line. For that matter to give, to give the better context, in ancient Greece, Olympics where the Olympics takes place in every five years, the greatest athletes from every city, province who would come to see who is the fastest. And for these athletes, before the race they would disrobe and they would run the race wearing nothing completely naked they would not want to carry anything that would slow down them and that would hinder them from being a faster in the on the race and wearing and no one would wear a tie like me or a suit like me and be on the track for running that would be a foolish thing to Have a tie and a suit for a running. That's what the writer is saying here. Remove it. Take it off. Put it off. Lay aside. For us today, let us ask, what are the things that weights us down? The way we spend our leisure time often will tell us just how serious we are with our physical walk. And this is not to say the hobbies and recreational activities are bad or sinful, but the priority and the time we give these things reveals us how serious we are about our Christian faith and Christian life. Often we get to hear and we get to hear the question from our Christian brothers and sisters: "Is this a sin? Is watching a movie is a sin, or doing something on a Sabbath?" Is a sin. Is going to a place is a sin. That's not a question that a mature Christian should ask. A mature Christian should not ask something is a sin. But rather does this bring me close to God. This this should push us towards the holiness. Does this help me to walk with the Lord. Does watching something help me to draw myself close to the Lord spending so much time on the phone or something else that would edify me does this edify me is it helping me to run if the answer is no then it is an unnecessary weight that author is calls lay aside every weight that draws that puts you back it is an extra baggage that would slow you down if you are serious about winning the race you have to put off your phone, spending time with the friends, your career, even your own children, who can become so weight and with so preoccupied and undue importance, it is to devote to it. Whether it is some dreams or ambitions, whether it be your hobby or a personal relationship. When we become so preoccupied, it becomes ill ability too much things too much good things can become bad things so the question for us what are the things that that you ought to put away or that we have to put away that dragging you down and they running the race of faith making sacrifices letting go of the good or for the better Second thing, that here the writer is asking us to lay aside the sin that inclines so closely, and it is a singular fact. It is not the sins, but it is a sin. What is the sin? Considering the context, it is a sin of unbelief. If you pay attention to the whole, this book of Hebrews, the author deals with the singular fact of the issue with the Jewish Christians, is an unbelief. It's an unbelief. The sin of failing to trust in God. The Jewish Christians were renouncing their faith. Some of them have already apostatized. Some of them are already drifted away from their faith. Committing the sin of unbelief. Today, you and I are not from. from not free from this sin to not to trust in Jesus that's what we say trust in the lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledging him he will make straight your paths do we trust god with all our hearts do we trust in him our personal everyday decisions In our own work, in our own family time, or even in our jobs, in our marriage, our parenting, do we do these things on our own? When we do these things on our own rather than God's, that is distrusting in God. This is why ultimately all sin is disbelief. At the root of every sin is to distrust in God and His promises. Sin promises happiness, pleasures, fulfillment. It pretends to be a good for us instead of believing God that the sin will lead to the destruction and to the death. We often buy into the promises of sin. Every time we sin, we exercise unbelief in God's word and claim that we know what is better for us than the God himself. If we continue to indulge in such unbelief, how can we continue to run the ray, run the marathon of faith? I want you to draw attention to this: the verse one, b, the word here and rendered here so as clean solely, solely, so that can be translated as a sin that is easily shares. or the sin that is easily entangles. The picture is something that abstains one moment that making impossible to run. That is what his disbelief does on. It is completely obstructs one movements and strips away. Such a person can never run. That's why we must put away the sin of disbelief. That's, re- that's the reason the great Puritan doctor John John Owen, we get to hear this every time. Best stated this truth. Be killing sin or the sin will be killing you. Therefore run the marathon of faith. Lay aside every weight and the sin which inclines so closely. Sin comes on to track us down and It hangs upon us and it drags us down and drags us down and takes us out of the race. I'm not just talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about the believers because they are the ones that really run the race. The reference between believers, unbelievers, unbelievers are so inclined to the sin. So they go after it. They love it. They welcome it. The believers find that sin inclines to them. They want to get away from it. But still inclines to them. So the apostle here speaking. Particularly to the believers saying. If you want to finish the race. You have to lay aside everything. That keeps you away from the race. Everything that hinders you. Therefore certain things. In our, my life or in your life today. That I purposely do not want to. Makes us. To slow down our race, I think we need to put aside and that hinders you and you have your own things. You can fill your own blanks. What hinders you? What weights you down? What keeps you from the Lord? What drags you one side? The author is not just asking us to lay aside But he he goes on and he says, Let us run with an endurance. Because he knows this is a race with an endurance. It's not just putting off our weight, but it is a race that needs with a lot of endurance, a lot of perseverance. He's asking us to take an encouragement from the great clouds of witness. And he's also asking us to lay aside. And the third is also asking us to endure. We are to run with an endurance that the race that is set before us. The race is already set before us. Every Christian has to run the race. Jesus has already ordained the course that has marked out for us. So what a great privilege it is. So we may do not run this race. Yet God has called us to partake in this competition for the prize. And we are called to the Christian life. Oh well, a Christian cannot say, we do, I cannot run. I cannot run. To not to run is a disqualified. We are called to run. Not to walk, not to jog, but to run. But to run. To a constant, making a constant progress. To keep moving, to keep pressing on. And how shall we run? We must run with an endurance. Run with a perseverance. Run with a patience. I remember running in my high school. I was never, never a good runner with 100 meters and 200 meters. I was at least good in the marathon because I get to take breaks. But in the, in, in the sprints, you just need to make yourself so fast that you need to finish the line as quickly as possible. But often, the first laps, this splinter would take lead. However, in the last couple of hundreds of meters, they would, they would make it very quickly out of stream. And all you see as long-distance runners, Overtake take them one by one? So the race before us is not a hundred meters dash. Or it is not a sprint that lasts for a few seconds. But no, it's a marathon. It's an exhausting, it is a long race of endurance that will test us. Every runner's character, stamina, strength that requires strategy. Often you see Christians who are full of fire when they come to the faith for the first time. And they are so passionate, full of energy. However, quickly they run out of the stream as the days go by. Maybe that's you sitting here in the pure racks today. He reminds us that Christian life is a race of endurance. How many people do you know who have started so good in their race, but now they are aside of the track, resting Christian life is one of the endurance. The word here is translated, the word race here. Let us run with the endurance, the race, the word race here. It's a Greek word that gets the same meaning from the English word called agony. That's right, it's an agony. It is derived from the same very word, which appears in 2 Timothy 4.7. Where Paul says I have fought the good fight. Again translated as a fight here. And you see this race is not an easy race. It is a wrestling and it is a fight. The race of faith we are called to run is one of the search agony. It requires sweat, blood, immense dedication to run. This race is not for a a faint heart. It is not for a weak. It, It takes the character to run. And it takes strength to give to endure to run this race. Christian life is a race. It's a race. And Christian life is an enduring test. And Christian life is a wrong relay in running race that every runner needs each other. And it is a serious race. It is a race that involves fighting a good fight for the faith. And it is a race that sets the life and death before us. And it is a race that, that, which must perceive and we cannot step off the racetrack when we are tired. We have to struggle and we have to run the race on and on and on and on to the finish line. That means we need to run the race steadily, diligently, actively every day by the means of grace. By reading and by searching for the word and hearing the word and by personal and intercession prayer by reading of a good liturgies fellowshipping with the saints keeping the Sabbath it all means we must be faithful and active active and habitual, prayerfully utilize this Christian life is not a passive. That's the reason one of the great Puritan, Thomas Watson says, this sweating work all the way to the glory. It is a battle and it is a race and it is a Christian race. Many people have a misconception that the Christian life is a walk in a park among the roses and lilies. That is far from the truth. Christian life is a pain-taking difficulty. This course is filled with the pain and self-sacrifice and tears. And it is a course of full of pitifuls and it will be a storms. And sometimes it needs you to take your life the countries that I come from, it requires your life to be a faithful, good Christian. There will be a times when you be disgraced and doubt if it is worth, and there will be a constant temptation to quit. However, we are exalted to endure, to perceive, and to see how many times the word endure here and just in this text has been used. Let us run with an endurance. Jesus for whose joy has said before him endured the cross. Consider him who endured from the sin and such an hostility life. Endure is a key word here. How many times have you promised yourself for a spiritual endure? Maybe you may be made a promise to stick to something that every believer has to take. Every Christian or every man, he takes a resolution on January 1st. I remember growing up as a kid. Every year I used to come up with a resolution on January 1st. And by the end of the month of January, I don't remember what resolution I made it by myself. And December comes again and you search for a new resolution. Oh, I need to stick with the reading plan that I need to finish this reading of the Bible just in the one year. And you come to the Genesis end of Genesis, you are done with the reading. And you forget that the Bible has a 65 bucks more to finish that. How many times have we kept that? Why is this we struggle so much? It is simply we lack self-control. We lack self-control. That's the reason Paul, Epistle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25 to 27 he says every athlete exercises self-control in all the things so I do not run aimlessly. We do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control least after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Do you see what the Paul is saying here? Self-discipline is needed to run the race. It is not an easy. It is required that we run this race. Let us be frank. Anyone who fails to discipline himself will not find himself running for long. verse 27. It is a discipline you need to endure. It is a discipline. That you need to endure. Therefore exaltation is not to neglect your self-discipline. Take time off each day and spend alone meditating on God and re- praying with Lord. Do not neglect the gathering of saints on the Lord's day. Come and feed on God's word so your batteries will be turbocharged for the week to come. Let us run with an endurance as an invitation. Come and join the race. Run for the crown. And we get to see the final section of this. Which is verse 3. Consider him who endured from the sinners. Such an hostility life against him. So that you may not grow weary and faint hearted. You might be thinking it is too difficult. I'm sure. If I can run this race, it is too much pain and it is too much discipline. And this is too much sacrifice. This is too much for me. Too much, too much. But look at verse 2 that it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of faith. Look at that. Author gives a solution for us. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The writer in the previous chapter mentioned the names of numerous saints. And he could have asked us to look to any of them. Look to Abraham, the father of faith. Look to Enoch who walked with the God. Look to the prophets who suffered for righteous sake. But no, he gives us someone better than us, better than them. He gives us a greater solution for us. Which is, he gives us the perfect example which is the lord jesus christ himself why jesus the superior because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith isn't that so amazing he is the beginning and end of the christian life and He is an alpha and omega of our faith is not only the book end of our faith, but is also the subject of our faith. Therefore, we look forward to finish the line where Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the finisher of our faith, waits for us with a crown in hand to give to the victor. But the example of Jesus is much more than this. The next verse it says that we just read, verse three. It says that he ran the race who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the God. Look him. Consider how Jesus ran with an unlike of others. It is so difficult, painful, but unlike us, he had no one who had run the course before him. He had no example before him. There was no great clouds of witness for encouragement. He was all alone in his trials. He was a man of sorrow. In the garden he pleaded with the father. Father remove this cup from me. He knew the pain that he would face. He knew he would be married beyond the recognition that man would hide their face from him. And he knew he would be lifted on the cross Held by the nails that bore into his hands. He knew he would go through the hell. Literally, at, 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 he says, not my will, but your will be done. He runs the race set before him. The shame of being suspended between heaven and hell naked as a, as a common criminal did not deter him. Immolation, mockery of Pharisees, crowd did not honor him. The entire weight of our sin, our, all of our guilt, all of our shame, was laid upon him, on his shoulder. The infinite holy wrath of God's judgment was poured upon him. He bore it all at the last with his last bounds of energy for his life, he cried after. It is finished. And it is a complete race. Now the father has exalted him so high. That he is seated at the right hand of the father. In the glory. The nations are his inheritance. Brought by with his precious blood. At the Gethsemane. Jesus could have thrown it in the towel. And said this is too much for me. Is this too much sacrifice. Is it too much a loss. And is this is too much a pain. If anyone Race was too difficult. It was his race and he finished it. How could Jesus endure so much? Because we are looking forward to the joy that was set before him. We were looking at the reward of his suffering. Behold the suffering is bored. The cross endured the same he despised. But look at verse 3. It says, consider him who endured from a sinner such an hostility against himself if you take your eyes off jesus the author and the perfecter of faith you can be sure that you will your faith that will shrivel up and die very quickly remember peter he was doing so great walking on water so well he had eyes on jesus but the moment he took off from the jesus and looked at his surroundings. It began to shrink. So when you are thinking of giving up the race. When you are disgraced. Saying that expectations of Christian life is too much. When you are down. Broken by your failures and sins. When your doctor has a bad news for you. When you sh- suffer. And the people ridiculously against you. Against because of your faith. When your prayers seems unanswered, remember Jesus looked to our champion who went through this and who said joy before him. Take a comfort and looking at Jesus, you will find grace, the grace completely satisfied for us to run the race. How do we apply this text for us in this today? hearing this in a 21st century and running the race without trials and without temptations. I got three applications, but I would not go at it, but I'll try to wrap it down very quickly as I can. The first one, this is our call as a Christian. Challenging the race of life of faith notice what kind of race we run it is not a short sprint we will not finish it with a reckless burst of energy it is a long distance race our great virtue is not speed but perseverance many express many experiences flash of enc- excitement at a conversion only to find enthusiasm must be converted into ent- endurance and perseverance. Remember what Jesus said, church in one of the church in Revelation, I know your works and your love and your faith, service, and a patient endurance. Endure by the example of Christ. This is our only greatest motivation in life and death. And that is our only greatest hope in life and death. The second thing, one day we'll cross the line to finish the race. When we arrive to heaven's door, all buttered, sweaty, tired. And Jesus will take us to himself and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. There you will receive our award. Jesus himself. That day, all the hardship that we endured. All the suffering of this present life. Will not compare to the glory that would be revealed to us. Then all of this would have been worth. Therefore let us run in faith that the race set before us. Count it all joy when you suffer for God's sake. His name's sake. The great is your reward in heaven. Finally. As a people of God. You are running the race of your life. The prize is not merely a gold medal. Or a silver medal. It is an eternal glory. So run with the confidence and endurance. Run without any burdens. Keep your head up. Look unto Jesus. You will cross the finish line. Let's look to God in prayer. O merciful Heavenly Father, O Lord, you are our perfect and finisher of our faith, O Lord. O Lord, as we look to your Son, whom we can take our great confidence, help us, O Lord, that we would finish our race and run with an endurance and perseverance, even in our struggle, that we would look to the the greater eternal glory that has set before us, Lord. Lord, let this word sink in our hearts, and let it plant in us, in our hearts, so that we may run the race with endurance, looking to the the perfecter and the finisher of our faith, and Lord Jesus, in his name we pray, amen.